to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. It is me, your host, Dante, and this week's guest is a new guest. A lot of my guests are returning guests, and sometimes I have a new guest, and this time it is another new guest. So I am happy to welcome to the show Miss Jamie Colleen. Hello, Jamie. How are Hi. you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for doing this. We had to reschedule um, one, one time before, I think I actually was trying to pick a date and I, without you knowing, I rescheduled before yeah. I messaged you. <laughs> <laughs> the secret's out. Um, so having Jamie on as my guest, a, a big part of this is she's a fighter and she, she punches people and and I don't know if you all have seen it. Snoop Dogg was doubting her on her arm bar that she did finish and win the fight with. So, you know. I knew. Oh. I, listen, I knew how to do it. I, you know, I proved him wrong. Uh, I was listening to it. He's like, she, she don't know what she's doing. I was like, dude, you're sitting by the side and I don't know that you know what you're doing. Like, She's in there. Listen, I, I couldn't, you know, I know that's, it was strictly for entertainment purposes. I thought it was hilarious. Um, he's a great guy. He, I got a formal apology from him after the fact. And it's, I never took any of it personally. I just think it's, it's funny though. I think Snoop's, Snoop is America's uncle. He, he, he's Uncle Snoop. Uncle Snoop. Yes. <laughs> so just jumping right into it. Yeah. What got you into fighting? Oh, man. Um, you know, so I'll backtrack a little bit. I've been as an athlete my whole life, uh, highly competitive gymnast most of my childhood and just sports all through um, junior high and high school. But there came a point like around middle school when I wanted to just be, um, you know, more social with my friends. And so um, I kind of like took a step uh, back from gymnastics. But anyway, yeah, after high school, I didn't really have a, a clear direction, but I ended up going to my friend's kickboxing class, just kind of out of moral support. I had no idea this was anything I was ever into. It was like a yeah, kickboxing class. And I realized that day, I'm like, this is it. I love this and I'm going to see how far I can take it. But at that time, geez, that, that was around, yes, 2000. Yeah, around 2004, 2005, I started. Uh, I went to the kickboxing class and then that's when I discovered like this is my new this is my new love. And I just, you know, and during that time, you know, women in MMA was kind of non-existent. Um, I mean, you had some female Fridays in strike force and it was kind of, you know, starting to sort of surface a little bit. Um, but we had like, you know, Gina Carano was sort of the one I looked up to back in that day. And so, yeah, just sort of, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really have like a clear direction. I just knew it was something I wanted to do. And it just sort of became like a really um, long, amazing journey from, from there. I just dedicated more than half my life to it. So I loved it. I always feel like when I speak to any guests mm -hmm. and say, hey, even with jujitsu, it's like, so what got you into jujitsu, MMA, kickboxing is always 
Yeah. It's kickboxing is a gateway drug. Yeah, I was going to say it's the gateway, hundred percent. Because I feel like people who like kickboxing, I think, is the most common. Like either boxing or kickboxing. And I actually, I first started competing in boxing. Then I had my, I was competing on the regional circuit for kickboxing. Um, but I find that once people get into like kickboxing, it's like, okay, what else is there? And then they start sort of, you know, delving more into martial arts and you know, finding all of the uh, the fun stuff like jujitsu and and annoying stuff. So. When you were doing kickboxing, mm -hmm. did you have anyone giving you pushback or like kind of, I guess during that time though, like you said, women's MMA especially mm -hmm. wasn't really, it was emerging, but it wasn't mainstream yet, but people still run their mouths and talk trash. Were there anyone saying, oh, you're doing kickboxing? Why don't you come down here and do some Krav Maga or do some of this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. this uh, pajama Jodo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love pajama parties. They're the best. <laughs> um, I, hey, I, I'm a gi person. No gi's fun. It's all grappling, but I don't know. It, it, there's always what is a uh, pajama kung fu, pajama judo. It's yeah, like, kung fu. I love it. Yeah. Don't disrespect us. <laughs> um, but yeah, did you have any like pushback from people just kind of, you know, doing uh, kickboxing or? was just like a natural curiosity to seek more. It was just a natural curiosity. And I think my training partners, the people I had training, you know, that I was on the mats with, uh, seeing them sort of, you know, the males anyway, they're like, oh, like, you know, MMA and they're training. I, I was just like, man, I, I like that. Cause I, I really, I, you know, from my background in gymnastics, I just, I love moving my body, first of all. So then when I'm seeing people rolling on the mats and they're doing like all these like really cool moves, I'm like, I want to do that too. And then I can, you know, compete in that. And so that really drove me to want to try other things. And then once I realized I could put it all together and, you know, and make it my own thing and compete in that, that was awesome. So I was really happy. Yeah. With being an athlete and just being competitive, for you, you know, going through kickboxing and then just having that natural curiosity moving through uh, martial arts. Mm -hmm. What was the first thing that you got out there and competed in? Was, was it, you know, a jiu-jitsu tournament or did you just jump in and do some amateur fights in the cage? Yeah, so I started, I did um, this boxing tournament and actually Myrtle Beach, where I was living at the time in South Carolina. And so I started, that's sort of like where I got my first taste in like combat sports, um, com competing anyway. And then I just sort of shifted to kickboxing. So I was like on the amateur uh, regional circuit with that. And then around that time, I wanted to, to move back to, um, so I'm originally from West Virginia, but most of my family lives in Ohio now. So um, at that time, I wanted to move back to Ohio to be closer with my family. And then during that time was when I transitioned to MMA and found an MMA gym um, in Cincinnati and just kind of like took off from there. I had one amateur fight and then, um, yeah, and then kind of went pro when I moved to PA, which was in 2013. Like had one amateur fight and was like, you know what? These girls <laughs> don't want to see me. Send me up. Call, like, put me in, coach. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? 
I'm ready. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah. And when you got into just, you know, for your amateur fight, when you got in there for the first time, how did you feel? Were you overly nervous? Were you just kind of like cool and relaxed and ready to go? Yeah, I was pretty cool and relaxed. I, I, I don't know. I have like, I always get this sense of calmness over me before a fight. I mean, obviously there's those feelings of, you know, a little bit of adrenaline's going and, you know, your body's like, all right, we're about to go. But for the most part, I felt really calm and just really happy and happy mostly because it took me so long to finally secure a fight. Like nobody wanted to fight me. And I'm thinking like, I'm just, who am I? And I have no fights or anything. Like there wasn't really anything that sort of, you know, like you can't, there's nothing to study on about me. Like I wasn't like really a, a big threat at that time. So it was, but regardless, it was really hard for me to get a fight. So when it was finally time, I was just really happy to be there because I was just dying to compete by that, by that point. Yeah. Maybe that was it. They're like, oh, there's no film to study on this lady. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I don't want to fight her. That could be scary. Like, like, she, like look what at her. Like, do behind the scenes. What's happening? Yeah. Like, she's so unassuming. If she wants to fight, I don't want to fight her. And when you got in there, you got your first win. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? How'd that feel for you? Um, great. I was, you know, in my happy place. I felt, I felt fine. I mean, I expected. I mean, I go into any fight expecting to win. It's just kind of, I, I like to. It's all like a mindset thing, but yeah, I mean, I expected to win. I just, I believed in myself and just, I went out there and did me. I didn't really think too much about what her game plan was and what she was going to do. I I thought more about like what I had planned to do and executed the plan. And yeah, it was good. I felt really happy. I was proud of myself and I was just hungry for more after that. That that was my next question was like, were you like, after that win, were you like, all right, Let's do it again tomorrow. Yeah, like, oh, we're doing this. this. Now we're really doing this. Yeah, that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And when you went on Dana White's uh, Contender Series, mm-hmm. that's what it's called. I don't know why. But I have the initials written out, so I always want to call it anything but Dana White's Contender Series. Yeah, well, it used to be like Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, and it was like yeah. this whole long like thing, but I'm glad they yeah. shortened it. It was like, okay, like, look. It's it's the contender to me. So like just yeah. I think they had I think they had another show called the Contender though, which is why they probably had to do yeah uh, Dana do. White's. It's a boxing show. It's a boxing series, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Which I liked it. I'm sad that ESPN mm-hmm. took that away because boxing yeah. at one point took kind of well. I think once MMA came about, more eyes started going that way mm-hmm. and away from boxing and. I felt like that show was a good way to put eyes back on boxing, but mm-hmm. yeah, f- for whatever reason they took it, they took it away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but going on the uh, Tuesday night uh, contender series, mm-hmm. I, like how was that experience for you? Because you went on twice, right? I did. I went on twice. So <laughs> there's a story behind the first one. So I was when I accepted that fight, I was just a few months out of ACL, I, I had reconstruction on, on my, on my knee. And I, you know, and if anybody takes anything away from this, I hope like, you know, it's really just with injuries and different things, just, I really encourage people to listen to their body and just do everything properly. So after my surgery, my whole mentality was if I can, if I can walk, then I can train. 
if I can lift my leg, that means I can kick now. Like I just totally neglected my physical therapy and just try to get back as quickly as possible, which worked against me. So uh, yeah, I was just a few months out of surgery when I accepted the fight once, but when I actually stepped into the octagon, I was six months post-op and I was still really weak and I wasn't anywhere close. I had no business stepping into that fight. Um, but we trained the best that we could. It was such a big opportunity. And I think that a lot of fighters go through that and really any athlete, it's, you know, you sort of like train the best that you can with the situation you're in and just hope, <laughs> hope for the best. And so that's sort of what we did. And, um, I, in that fight, I actually ended up first round re-injuring my ACL. I didn't tear it completely again, but I, there was a partial tear, um, the first round. So if anybody go, goes back to watch the fight, you'll see like there's times where I, um, well, I actually, when, when the, uh, re-injury part happened, um, I actually screamed. I let it like out of yell. And I was a little afraid in those moments because I thought the ref would take that as uh, a verbal submission or something. And so once I realized he, he wasn't doing that, I was like, telling myself, okay, like if you can stand, you you'll find a way to get through this. And the adrenaline was going so much. I didn't really feel any pain at that time. And so I just kind of tried, you know, capitalizing on her mistakes at that point. So when I realized I couldn't even like, I literally had no legs to stand on. <laughs> it's like, anytime I would like take a step, my, my knee would just buckle again. And she was able to take me down at will. And like, I couldn't explode. I couldn't really do anything. So then I found myself on my back a lot and I'm like, wait, I know jujitsu. I can, <laughs> let me try that. So, um, yeah, like I said, she was making a lot of mistakes on, on her top game and I ended up, I was able to secure an arm bar in the last 20 seconds and pulled it off. But that, that injury set me back, um, you know, uh, about a good six months, a solid six months. And, uh, and from that point, my knee was never the same, which kind of led to it tearing for a second time uh, recently. So, um, but, you know, after that fight for me, even though it wasn't my best performance, it, it felt, it's always great to get the win. But for me, I felt, it felt better for me knowing I was able to overcome such adversity in the fight and able to, you know, turn it around and, and, um, you know, have it go in my favor. So for me, it was just less about the win and more about like, shit, I did that. That's awesome. So, um, but yeah, the win was, was cool, but, um, and it was exciting. So yeah. And then I went back for a second time and just, you know, I lost that fight. So when I was trying to, when I initially messaged you about being on, I was like, okay, let me go mm -hmm. do my homework. Let me pull up uh contender series let me pull up was it lfa or i think it was um i didn't fight lfa okay that that's what it was it was like i always get those two for some reason like like mixed up i'm like yeah <laughs> they're, they're not the same letters but i nope. don't know why i don't know this but you know i'm trying to pull up your fights and they were coming up but then so like the contender series it was like okay here are the dates and then when I go to that episode for the date, it's like, okay, wait a minute. I think they're out of order oh, okay. on, on ESPN. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. I know how to count. Yeah. I counted <laughs> these dates correctly, but, uh, but yeah, it, I didn't realize the, um, the armbar was that late in the fight. Mm -hmm. I, I thought it was, um, earlier. Cause I was like, okay. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, I, you know what? I had no idea. All, I had no idea there was that much. There was only 20 seconds left in the round. And uh, so that made it even more exciting, obviously. But sure. Yeah, I had no idea. I just listened to Daniel. He was really calm. And that's it. Well, and, and, you know, I think that's an important thing, though, to just keep fighting no matter, mm -hmm. you know, what. So I feel like sometimes if people know, like there's limited time. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a sense of urgency, but then there's also clumsiness that comes with that where you're just sure. scrambling like, oh, I got to I got to get it. I yeah. got to pull the arm, pull the arms like that's you're, that's not an arm bar. You're just pulling on their arm. Yeah. So I, that's good, though. I mean, like I said going back and watching it for some reason it never occurred to me that it was you know that late in the in the fight i, I was thinking mm -hmm. like okay you know midway through the third but mm -hmm. good uh so with the injury going you know going into the acl injury mm -hmm. uh, it came from just kind of pushing your body to the limit during pushing, training yeah, pushing myself yeah. too much yeah i wasn't listening to my body again and uh it was actually after my i was getting ready for a title defense for king of the cage and I was uh, training and training partner was kind of bigger than me. And I don't know, my knee got sort of entangled as we were just doing some some drills, uh, some wrestling drills. And uh, it sort of, I knew something like I felt a pull and like maybe a little pop. And then I'm like, okay, I think I'm okay. Like there's no swelling, like whenever all the things and um I still kept, I kept training on it. I'm like, as long as I'm just being really careful wearing my brace, all the things I, every training session, it would just like pop and give a little more, give a little more. And eventually all it took was like one step to land a jab one day and it just completely tore. And so I'm like, all right, well, I had to obviously, you know, back out of the fight and then um, had to do some physical therapy before surgery. So that took some time. And then it's definitely a humbling experience for sure. Especially that injury. That this mm -hmm. I've never had an ACL injury. I've I've like banged up my meniscus during football. And yeah. surprisingly, yeah, I don't know. It, it it's seems one of like those a things. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things because I mean, if you train, you're an athlete, fight, whatever the case may be, it's like we're used to that, right? We're used to pushing ourselves through like through injuries and different things. But I tell you with with the big ones like the ACL and stuff, it just, you can't push even if you tried. Do you know what I mean? It's like your body yeah. just won't allow you. And you like, it, it kind of sucks because then it starts wearing on you mentally. Because like mentally you're sharp, like you're ready to go. You, you feel good, but then your body just won't, it's not ready yet. And it sucks. Yeah. I, we were playing backyard football years after we should, should have stopped playing backyard football. Mm -hmm. And uh, a friend of mine, he tore his ACL. He's a big dude. Like he, he was the kind of guy when we we're all in high school. You know, we're scrawny kids, and this dude was nothing but muscle. He looked like he, like for dinner, he would eat raw meat with gunpowder sprinkled on it. Like he was just made of muscle. Hey, I thought Harry did that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I feel like there are a lot of there are a lot of fighters now. I see him like, like. I'm pretty sure that's your diet. Yeah. <laughs> Raw meat and gunpowder. Um, like, like muscles, like in places you shouldn't have muscles, like know, your, right? your earlobes just <laughs> flapping. Um, but he was running 
took a cut and he did the, the the thing is like didn't listen to his body he kept playing on it and he played very well on it and I think sometimes there's a well, at least for us seeing that because we didn't know at the time. We he just thought, oh, it's spring, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kept going, kept going, kept going. You find out later in the week, yeah, it tore my ACL, which is bananas. Because when I hurt my meniscus, I I fell into the fetal position. It was like, Mm-mm. I was like, dude, relax, you're fine. It was just a sprain. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 it's over for me. Oh, so like, you just never know, though. Like, you never know. Like, especially in the moment when it yeah. happens, that part's mm-hmm. scary, too. Is like, how bad is this when you, like, you know what I mean? That part's scary. Yeah, I, I thought it was a wrap. And then I go to see my doctor. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, it's a sprain. It, my doctor, it, like, I left this doctor almost immediately. Um, he takes my leg. You know, he stretches it. You know, he uh, straightens it out. Mm-hmm. Then bends it. Then he just starts like twisting it aggressively. And he goes, "Does that hurt?" Looks like it does now. <laughs> He's like, uh, "Sounds like you have a sprain." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, Dick." <laughs> they never <laughs> went back to that guy ever again. Yeah. Like, so if you all are ever in Columbia, Maryland, do not go to Doctor Kennard. <laughs> oh man, putting them out Dr. there. Doctor Kennard's not listening to this. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he is. He'll come back for your other knee. No. Uh, that's all right. Like I'll pull guard. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't go see that guy. He's mean. Um, but yeah, when you're younger, though, that's the mm-hmm. thing with those types of injuries. You, you know, you're younger. You're just thinking, okay. You know, I, I'm just I, I should bounce back because that's always kind of the ideal. When you're young, you're gonna heal a little faster. Sure. Uh, you're stronger. You know, the bounce back's a lot easier. Like now. I did something to my neck on Friday. I couldn't turn left for two days. I'm like, man. Nerves. As we get old, yeah, I, I, I do. I get. Old. It's got to be age, but mm-hmm. no matter how much I stretch and do everything right, I always pinch a nerve in my neck, and it just. Yeah, and I'm like, you. I'm stuck. I can't like turn. Like I can't barely. I can barely drive. It's terrible. Uh, but yeah, it, it's. I, I think, you know, like you said. You weren't listening to your body, but I think yeah. when we're all younger, we don't. We just we're invincible. Yeah. But we're not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're invincible <laughs> until we realize, huh? Maybe I can't fly. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, it, it, as far as you know, your injuries go, has that been like your only like major, major injury, or you know, have um, you been relatively safe for the most part? Oh, I tore it again uh, three years later. <laughs> and that brings us to last spring. So I was getting ready. It was actually a really big fight for me in Cage Fury and best shape of my life. Like I was like mind and body, like everything was all in sync. I was ready to go. And I had, I uh, tweaked my knee, the same knee. Cause like, remember I said it was never the same after I re-injured it in the fight. I didn't need surgery, but it required a lot of physical therapy. Uh, but yeah, it was just never the same. So I'm training for this fight and uh, I tweaked it a little bit on the wall. We were doing like wall work and I just like pivoted, but my knee kind of like didn't follow suit. And yeah, so I was like, all right, again, it was almost like the same exact scenarios last time. I was just being trying to be careful with it, doing more physical therapy with my strength coach and 
Um, same thing happened. I, we were doing uh, striking drills and I just took a little baby step and it tore. However, this time when it tore, my knee was locked in place. And so I was, I couldn't walk. So I, I couldn't bear weight on it, nothing. And it was so painful. So I called my doctor for an emergency visit and um, he's, you know, taking a look at it. He's like, okay. He's like, from what I can tell, because your knee's locked in place, um, he described it as a bucket handle tear. So when your meniscus tears, sometimes it can flip up, you know, causing your knee to be locked in place when it gets caught in the, the knee joint. So he was like, listen, all I have to do is go in, scope it out. I've seen my athletes come back, you know, in three weeks from this procedure. He's like, and uh, he's like, if this is all it is, you can still fight. I'm like, thank God. That was like music to my ears because I was a mess. And uh, so, but obviously we had to get the MRI to confirm exactly what was wrong. So once we got the MRI, I realized it was both my meniscus and my ACL was just completely torn. Um, and so, yeah. But the good thing is, I could go straight into surgery straight away because I was unable to do physical therapy and uh, which was good. So I got in early for surgery. And, and from that, I was just, I vowed to do everything by the book that time. I was like, I, there, I cannot go through this one more time. And so I just, I did everything perfectly by the book, just married to PT. And, and I learned a lot through PT, which I really loved my, um, my physical therapist. Um, a lot because we both had that same mentality is like, okay, we want to get you back as quickly as possible, but we have to do it in the smartest way. He was like, so even on the days when you feel like you can do more, he's like, don't, because then it's going to push you back. You know, you're going to, it's like this very weird, like, um, thing where it's like, even though I know I can go sprint down the street then let's not do that because do I want to go back, you know, two weeks ago? No, I do not. So anyway, um, yeah, I just did everything by the book, did everything perfect and just like stayed the course. And I can't, I got back pretty quickly, um, to training. Um, I was, I pretty much stayed, um, I don't know. I was about a, like four weeks ahead of like my, my schedule, but I, even, even though I knew that I still didn't push and some, it's kind of hard not to, but I still just, you know, listen to my body. I just like, listen, I'm going to do it this way until I'm um, you know, until I'm done with my treatment with my program. And then once he released me from that, then I just still was very careful, didn't take any fights. <laughs> um, and just, you know, just, it's all about just getting stronger. Like from that point, I was like, all right, it's time to build. And now, now I know my knee's good. Let's build and, um, get myself back plus more. So, um, but it's good. I mean, it's a long journey. And, um, but through that, it was just like, you know, life happening and, you know, uh, I haven't fought. I wanted to fight this year. I just don't know if I will or not. Um, I don't know if that was your next question. If you were gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fight it. I didn't mean to jump the gun there. No. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's um, I have it on the list. It's down the line. But I think just through that whole journey and realizing that, look, I I know I I still have the potential to make it to the UFC. I still have the I could you know, start a training camp tomorrow and, and fight, you know, it's, it's really not so much about that as it is. It's just, I'm at a point in my life where I have to make a, a sound decision in terms of 
just where I want to take my career from this point. I mean, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of things and I do a lot of things, but in terms of, you know, fighting as a career, I'm not really sure. I think I want to just focus on my new venture now with this new job that I have and, um, you know, focus on jujitsu. I'm going to keep training, keep doing my thing. And if one day I do decide to fight for fun, Hey, then I'm going to do it. But I think right now I'm at a point where I just like, I need to just be smart about my life, my life decisions. And while I, there's a lot of work I do that I love that I'll always do like, like giving back in the community and stuff, but I, um, I need something more, uh, like secure, you know, providing for my daughter and for myself and just like, you know, focusing more on setting her up. And, you know, I, I feel like I've lived a life of taking on projects or jobs that I can manipulate to work with my training schedule. But because I'm older now, and maybe I was missed my window for UFC, maybe not, but I think I just, I want to maybe just take another path for now and just kind of see where that takes me. Well, I mean, it's yeah. definitely a challenge when you have life. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it, it's not easy. So, but when it's time, you'll know, yeah. you got it. I'm going to be like Balboa coming back in like my forties. Like still got some stuff in the basement. I got to clean that out. <laughs> Just looking at old memories, and then suddenly mm. it's like start jogging down around the corner, mm. start shadow boxing. Oh yeah. <laughs> the next oh, thing you know, there. well, and, and and you're in Philly, so mm. so you know, of course, it, the the spirit is in you. It, it absolutely is. is. Yeah. Actually, every time I'm watching a fight, and there's a fighter from Philadelphia, you come to mind. Aww. Like like I'm like. All right, let me go flip through Instagram real quick, see if she posts anything in her stories. Like, who's this fighter? Who's this guy? You know, it was like the coolest thing. My first really big win against Daniel Taylor. It was like a big knockout um, knockout win uh, for King of the Cage title. And when they announced my name, when I won that fight, and it was just like, from Philly, like, from Philly, all the things. I was like, man, that like, that like really felt good. It's a really cool feeling. Like, I think there's a, you know, there's that energy there, mm -hmm. you know, just with Rocky, period. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're a fighter from Philly, I, I think it's, I think it's in everyone. It's like, all right, you know what? A at least once, you know, run yeah. up the stairs, you know, play the, you know, play the music in the background. So mm -hmm. I get you. In, in going through the injuries, uh, specifically the ACL um, injuries. Did you do any kind of like sports psychology coaching and like mental training to kind of overcome that adversity uh, mm -hmm. mentally? Because yeah, the physical injury is definitely devastating, but when you're an active competitor and you gotta, you know, hit the sidelines, that's mm -hmm. gotta wreak havoc on the mind. So how'd you, you know, get through that? Absolutely. That's a great question. I um, actually, for one of my previous fights, I hired a, um, a mindset coach. Um, he's actually a hypnotist. Um, I, at that time in my, um, my career, I had hit a wall and I didn't know mentally why I was feeling the way I was. And 
I kept, you know, I knew I needed to find somebody to talk to, but it sort of put me in a place of like, where do I turn? I didn't know where to look for that. And I didn't want to take the time to like try to find somebody who didn't quite understand what I was going through. So it was just, I'm a big person on like energy and timing of things. And so there was just this one day, this guy uh, reached out to me. Um, he, he goes by the English hypnotist and he's like, uh, hey, have you thought about hypnotism before? And that was like the message. I'm like, kind of, I was like, who is this person? <laughs> like, why are you sending me this? And so I, I looked him up and uh, he um, uh, had worked with like a lot of Bellator fighters, a lot of kickboxers and stuff. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll give him a try. And um, he goes by the, uh, the English hypnotist. And uh, for whatever reason, like I reached out to him, I messaged him back and I was like, well, actually, you know, nothing to lose at this point. So yeah, I messaged him back and I'm like, yeah, possibly. So we jumped on a call that day and then we just, the connection, we just connected right off the, right out the gate. And I felt really good about, um, about him and who he was and his experience because he was um, uh, a kickboxer as well. And uh, so I was like, he gets it. Let me just, let me give him a chance. And I hired him for that training camp. And um, I learned so much from him and a, a lot of things that I was able to use in other areas of my life. Like it all just kind of like poured over into the next thing and like really just helped me to um, first figure out why I was having that mental block and how to, um, how to remove it and then just to to maintain that mindset throughout. So um, I try to I continue to like implement those tools and things that I learned from him even these years later. And I try to pass it along to um, to my teammates and people who, you know, want my input for for these things. But um, it really um, I think it's so important, especially with injuries to. And, and even in general, as an athlete or whatever it is, we, we train our bodies. Right. But we always say, oh, fighting is 90 percent mental, but we don't train our mental. Like We only train our bodies. So it's like you say that it's mental, but then we don't work on it. So um, I learned to like always kind of put that first, because if you're if you're not there mentally, then I feel like it's much harder to like even if, if you could be in the best shape of your life. But if you're mentally if you're not there mentally, like it, it doesn't really matter, like you're defeated already. So, um, yeah, I think it's 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 incredibly important to, to train um, and, and be aware of your mental state and your mindset and like your mental health. It is so important. I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, I know for jujitsu, like for myself, that's a huge thing just in my mind all the time is mm -hmm. um, being mentally sound and being mentally there. Because I mean, you could have the muscle memory, you could have everything, you'd be in the best shape of your life. But if, you know, if, you're, if you're not focused, mm -hmm. no matter what you do, you're going to always make mistakes. And, and you run a risk if you're mentally fatigued. You yeah. run a huge risk of injury. But yeah, it, it was, you know, just the ideal of getting over adversity through mm -hmm. any kind of mind training. Sure. I'm always wondering where everyone stands on that because yeah. some people, some people like older school guys, just like power through, you know, we're tough. That could work. Yeah. 
I think new age people. How, how how long before you get tired? And like, then what do you tell yourself? A lot of it too is just like like positive reinforcement with yourself and how you connect with your subconscious state and how you, especially in those moments where you are fatigued and you are tired, instead of like, what do you say to yourself? And then how do you overcome that? And, um, you know, the po the positive reinforcement and, and just being aware of what you do every day. And like, for instance, I, I had to keep a diary every day and I would answer the same exact questions every single day. Um, first question would be, what did I do well? And this would be like all after my training sessions. What did I do well? The second, what mistakes did I make? And the third one is, um, how can I correct them? And when will I do that? And so at first, and then you send your entries to him and he sort of rephrases different things like where there might be something negative that you say, you don't even realize it. It's just like, I would answer the first question like, oh, I, you know, my footwork was great today, but then I did 50 other things wrong. And then I'm like, and then he would send it back to me, reward it. And it would just be that part. Today, my footwork was great. I like, you know, slip punches. And then, um, but it, it's really just all about acknowledging your mistakes without being negative about it and then being able to fix it. And I found that that transitioned really well to when I was actually training and being aware of that and kind of like, cause I used to get really frustrated in training and like to the point where I'd get, go like run off the mats crying. And then, and then that in a, of itself became a battle of fighting back and then having to like reset, then get back on the mats and then have to think about my correcting myself. So it was like this whole crazy cycle I was in. And I think a lot of people experience that, but yeah, I got to the point where I was just like, um, I slipped to the wrong side and I got hit and I'm like, okay. Then you say to yourself, don't slip that way again. Like do this instead, like, you know, pivot off. Like, and then you start, I don't know, you just get like this really cool vibe with yourself and you're not so hard on yourself anymore, which is really freaking awesome. But yeah, I just kind of evolved into like this whole, I have a, I was like a whole different person. And when I really realized how different I was, was when my coaches noticed it. And I remember Daniel, and it probably had been a while before, like, because he's used to me running off the mats and crying, like, you know, and he would always tell me, like, frustration is your worst enemy. You have to stop doing this to yourself. So I think that came a period of time where I wasn't doing that. Like, I was able to just, you know, work through, um, you know, my mistakes and fixing them and just keeping, like, solid mindset. And uh, one day he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, something's different. I was like, I was like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> so that felt really good to know that he, you know, hey, son. Okay, now we're we're getting somewhere. So it was cool. It was really cool. Cool stuff. I do say to my daughter. Also, frustration is your worst enemy. Mm -hmm. My daughter's also five, so she just looks at me like, "Yeah, I'm just going to kick this board game over anyway." Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, well, you know what? It's good that you're 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 instilling in it because it's one day it's going to click with her. As I same with mine too. Yeah. So, well, I would say like it, it's always neat to hear her repeat something back. Mm -hmm. I used to teach preschool, um, back like right out of high school, and one of my things is like you know when a kid would fall down scrape their knee or something you mm -hmm. know it always kind of reassure them that they're okay and I'm like you're okay 
you're okay. And one day I heard one of the kids saying it to someone else. And that's when it kind of clicked. It was like, mm. oh, they pick up on these things. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I say to my daughter a lot because she puts everything on the floor. And I was like, baby girl, the floor is not a shelf. <laughs> she said it to me the other day. I said something. I, it was like my laptop. You know, I was going to get something. She goes, dad, the floor is not a shelf. It's like, damn it, she was listening. It's like, I want her to listen, but no, no. Yeah. Anyway, it's funny you say that because I too kind of had like a similar thing with, with my daughter and I would always tell her um, something I try to live by myself um, as well as um, I always tell her that it's always important to be happy with yourself first and then everything else is a bonus. And that's something I just, I always preach that all the time. And of course I know she's listening, but it didn't really hit me until she wrote um, like this essay at school. This was probably two years ago. It was before the pandemic. And uh, that was like her final statement in the, uh, in her essay. She was like, my mom always told me that it's important to be happy inside first and everything else is just a bonus. And I was just like, like crying. I was just such a proud moment, but yes, our our children are listening, hundred percent. Yeah, it just got me a little emotional there too. Where you're like saying, you know, saying the part yeah. at the end, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it is true, and it's it's always important to, you know, we're their heroes. Yeah. So, you know, we we always want them to do what's best for them and, and be their own person. Yeah. But part of that is. You know, they take bits and pieces from us. They, my grandparents raised me, and I remember watching my grandfather cook mm-hmm. and the way that he handles the kitchen. As the food's cooking, he's cleaning the dishes, he's putting them away, and, you know, then he gets back over to the stove and tends everything. And I remember when I first moved out, and I caught myself doing that, and I realized. Oh, it wasn't even a conscious thing. It was just automatic. It's just, you know, as you, as a child, you see your parents, you know, doing tasks and then you Mm -hmm. pick it up and then it carries on. So hopefully with my daughter, with the whole, the floor is not a shelf. Hopefully I step on fewer Legos now. Right. (laughs) Because we know she's listening. So there's no excuse. Also, when I I picked up for my grandma, when she would go into my room and clean it when I wasn't home, mm-hmm. anything on the floor goes in the trash. Uh-oh. So <laughs> like I didn't do it, but I said it to my daughter once. I was like, well, okay, I'm going to clean if it's on the funny. floor. That, that works with adults too. At our gym for the longest time, people would just leave stuff behind. Now Daniel just started throwing everything away. And then every day, if you leave anything, it's going in the trash. So then, uh, of course, people are like, okay, let me make sure I have all my stuff. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it works. <laughs> I, I make sure to everything goes back in my gym bag. Mm-hmm. I got some uh, superhero-themed socks uh, two Christmases ago. And my favorite pair was the Black Widow pair. And I went to jujitsu that night. And I was certain I put them in my gym bag. Mm-hmm. And they're gone. And I was so distraught. And I was like, dude, you've been doing this, like, you've been doing so well for so long. And you lost, like, the one pair of socks that you love. So now I'm just, like, I'm still kind of distraught. Every time I look at my sock drawer, I keep looking. I'm like, 
maybe they're in the back. <laughs> they're not. They're gone. So um, I guess kind of in wrapping up, one thing that I realized as I'm looking here at my notes, because mm -hmm. I have, again, the Dana White Contender Series and the initials, and I realized why I kept messing it up, because I kept looking at, I think it was Dancing with the Stars. Mm. So... It can um, kind of look like that when it's abbreviated, yeah. Because I keep looking over, it's like, if you take away that C, it's just Dance with the Stars. <laughs> now, now if, with that being the case, if ABC reaches out and says, right. hey, Jamie, we need you. Oh, right? Oh. Like, like, you're down to be on Dance with the Stars. They give you the call. Down. I am down. Yeah. All right. And three songs that... You get to pick three songs that you're going to dance to. Off the top of your head, go. My playlist, like, I, I, my music selection is just so, like, all over the place. I love country music, so a fun song for me to dance, I think, would be, like, Shake It For Me by Luke Bryan. I like um, maybe, like, Girl on Fire. That's kind of, like, I dance to that every day, so. All right, one more. Oh, shit. Um, I like End of Time, Beyonce. I love that song, End of Time. Yep. That one I could, I'll break it down to that one. Yep. And then with my last question, mm -hmm. is, uh, what's something that you wish people knew about you? There's something, you know, it's kind of hard to answer, but I'm going to try. Only because I feel like I share so much of myself already with people to help. Um, inspire other people, just like sharing my own hardships and adversities. So I don't know. I, something I wish people knew about me. I, I'm sort of letting go a little bit. I mean, this is like not on such a serious note, but I'm actually really, really funny and like really quirky and I have a great sense of humor. I'm just kind of a weirdo. I'm, I think I'm getting a little better at it. Like TikTok is helping me come out of my shell and that way more. But I feel like I've just held on to that. Like my family knows how silly and weird I am, but um, yeah, I think I wish I knew, I wish more people knew how funny I actually am. Well, mm. I've always felt like, even though like when I follow your posts, your posts are very like, um, you know, inspiring and, mm -hmm. you know, it, you know, you're sending a message, but I always feel like underneath that, underneath like most people that are you know that strong and that forward with trying mm -hmm. to inspire and help everyone there's a silliness underneath all of it yeah I, so <laughs> i don't doubt it i don't i don't doubt that at all and you know what okay. others that are listening don't doubt this woman <laughs> so look, if you all need someone for open mic give jamie a call right. <laughs> So we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up here. Uh, Jamie, thank you again so much for doing this. This right. this has been great. So oh, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. I'm so thank you so much for having me on. I loved it. And are there any shout outs or mentions that you'd like to uh, throw out there into the podcast atmosphere? Um, shout outs. Well, of course, always I have to shout out my daughter, Selena which I know she'll be listening to this. So she'll be very happy to know that. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, always, it's always just sort of my journey is just, it's been a journey. So really I, I just always like to acknowledge 
Because I, I didn't, I find that um, a lot of what makes me who I am are, you know, the people I surround myself with. And so I just, you know, anybody that's been part of my journey and who loves and, you know, and cares about me and, you know, supports me, everybody that supports me and all my fans and um, my followers, like that just, it really, it means a lot to me because the part of me that gives back and what I do, what I do, like with, you know, raising awareness for domestic abuse and um, as an advocate and just as a fighter in general, I think like it really helps to know that I am making an impact and, but I don't really do it for recognition either. So it's kind of like when it does get recognized, it's like, wow, like that really, I did help somebody just by sharing my own. And that really means a lot to me. And it's, um, um, yeah, it, it really, uh, it's very heartwarming for sure. Um, and that was, I did have notes. I wanted to go mm -hmm. further into that, but I was like, you know what? Let's first test the waters here. Let, yeah. Let's, let's be silly. Let's have fun. Sure. And if, if you want to come back on at a later date, I don't know when, because I just don't, I, I don't, I don't know, know what either. I'm, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Let I don't know either, but yeah. we'll make it work. Right. We'll make yes. it work. But I, yeah, I would love to come back on for sure. And um, yeah, big part of my work now is that. So I, I would absolutely love to, to come share more about that and awesome. what I'm doing there. So awesome. We'll we'll work that out down the line. And um, I'll, again, appreciate this and I will appreciate having you back on. So um, thank yeah, you so sure. much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all you do and for our community. And just it's awesome. I love what you do. Thank you. It, it's yeah. so it's weird here. And that's like, right. It's oh. weird, but it's awesome to know that you're, listen, you're impacting. It's awesome. You're making an impact. So well, good. Good. glad I'm glad that, you know, people just want everyone to like, just be cool, be cool to each yeah. other, you know, mm -hmm. just be friendly. Uh, but thank you um, also to all my listeners, all the fans out there uh, that, that tune into the podcast that do greatly appreciate all the support from everyone. Um, if you ever have any questions, concerns, feedback, always reach out to me. I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. I can be reached at bjj.wiki or off the mats podcast, both on Instagram, uh, or even email. I don't really get a lot of emails other than scammers, but I do have an email. It's off the mats 2020 at Gmail. So that's probably why the scammers know my email address now. I just realized that. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, like, you don't even have to try. You just gave it to us. <laughs> yeah, next thing, like, next, next up, so they'll get my social. Like, you can always reach me at this social, social security number, too. I'm like, what? And my address, in case. And here's my birthday. Like, here's a photocopy of my hey, birth certificate. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. I forget. <laughs> I forget it was my That's birthday. What I'm here for. Um, but yes, um, thank you everyone for all the support. We do appreciate it. And, uh, I just want to real quick, do a quick shout out and mention of a good friend in the jujitsu community, uh, specifically within the Instagram circuit, uh, my good friend, Tony, also known as Jits bitch on Instagram. Uh, you know, we've got a GoFundMe rolling for right now and, you know, she can use all the help she can get. So, uh, you know, check the couch cushions, check under the car seat, whatever you got, 
every little bit helps, you know, if you all don't mind going out there and helping out just pitch. Uh, there's a link in my bio on in, the, in my link tree, very top of the page. So go fund me for just bit. So um, if you all haven't done it, uh, go go help a good person out. She's done so much for the community in, in this same vein where, you know, she's out there uh, hustling for other people posting their GoFundMe's and and setting them up as well. So she's in a tough spot. And I, I feel like for all that she's done for the community, I think, you know, we could stand to help her out a little bit as well. So uh, big shout out to Tony over there at Jits Bitch. Uh, also shout out to Eric and Allie over at Armbar Attic. I've been shouting them out a lot lately because I believe in them. So Go check their website out, armbaraddict.com, and also their Instagram and TikTok. They got some funny videos in. They sell some awesome rash guards and T-shirts. I got a few of them. Um, so go check them out. Also, big shout-out to Kalampton Street Club. That's my other podcast. I think we review beers. I don't know. Last night, we we were just arguing. So it's just two friends, 30 years, talking trash. And mm-hmm. if that's what you're into, go check us out. And last but not least, go check out my final and newest podcast. So you like horror. It's a horror movie podcast about scary stuff. So if you're into that kind of thing, go check it out. Episode four just dropped. And next week we'll be doing episode five. We're going to be talking about the Scream franchise. So go enjoy it. So you like horror underscores separating all the words Instagram. Thank you. Otherwise, I love you all. I'm keep listening. I'm going to keep making the show. Thank you, everyone. I love you. And ciao. They poison. Now let me see his song.